Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe. This is Animal Radio. A lot to get done, so little time to do it, so let's get going. First of all, if you're a Johnny Carson fan today, you'll love it. We're talking to Joanne Carson a little later on, and she tells us some secrets about, well, actually, how they courted, I guess, is what (laughs) she tells us about, and also how the animals fit into their lives and fit into Johnny's lives. Uh, Also, biologist Dr. Mark Beckoff joins us for the second time tells us all about his new book and your calls at one 405 8405 The unfortunate news of the last few weeks is on the pet food recall. God, you keep learning new information. What is the truth? Yes, there's. Uh, here's the latest. The, the latest is that perhaps what was thought to be rat poison wasn't rat poison or that there was other contaminants inside uh, almost 94, 95 to 100 brands of Cat and dog food. Cats being affected because they're very sensitive species and they can react adversely to many chemicals and drugs. Um, I'm thinking that I'm going to let the expert take care of this. For more, we go to the phones right now with uh, Dr. Stephen Hansen, our friend from the ASPCA, who also uh, happens to head a, the manage the Midwest office of the ASPCA's Animal Poison Control Center on top of what's going on. Uh, doctor, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. Good. That's good to hear because the news of the last few weeks, of course, uh, here at least, has been very confusing. Mm-hmm. We, we we get a lot of calls here. We, we try to go through... Uh, uh, and, and decipher what news is accurate, what might be uh, maybe over the edge. And I received the press release from you um, and from the ASPCA basically saying that the that it, if there was indeed a rodent side in this food, uh, that the symptoms are inconsistent with the rodent side poisoning. Right. It's very important because what's happened here is on the announcement that there was a rodenticide that affects the kidneys came out, we started looking at what we expect to occur from that compound and and started wondering, does this make sense? And then after several days, we were able to go back and look at our data that we've collected. What we expect to see are effects in the bone marrow and the intestinal tract. That's what that type of drug should do or that type of chemical. And we're not seeing those symptoms at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so what, 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 do you, what in your evaluation is going on, do you think? You mean what is actually causing this? Yes. That we really do not know. We don't know. We do know that veterinary diagnostic labs across the country, um, corporate labs, are looking very hard at these samples to see if there's another contaminant. What was uh, the announcement from the New York Department of Agriculture last week all about then? Well, last week, the New York Department of Agriculture and Markets released their finding that, the, in fact, the contaminant was aminopterin. And as we all know, aminopterin is not labeled for use in the U.S. anymore as an anti-cancer drug or as a pesticide. It was never labeled as a pesticide. And that it is available in some other countries as a pesticide. But as I mentioned, with that compound, we have experience with that compound as an anti-cancer drug. And we also have experience with related drugs. And what that drug should do, what it's designed to do, is to damage rapidly growing cells. That's how it works. So what it should be doing is damaging rapidly growing cells in the tissue of the, of the person or animal taking it. And we know that that happens in a clinical setting. Mm-hmm. That causes severe bloody diarrhea because the intestinal tract, your cells that line your intestinal tract turn over very quickly. 
and the bone mar- marrow is particularly sensitive. It, is, it, is it possible the source was poisoned with more than one thing? Contaminant. Contaminant? Right. At this point, it's entirely possible that those samples that were analyzed that, that, to find aminopterin, they may have contained aminopterin. We, we don't know. Right now, we really don't know. They could have contained aminopterin. They may contain other co- contaminants as well. Aminopterin may actually not be there at all because these are very difficult tests to do when you don't know what you're looking for. So there may have been some nuances in the study and a wrong conclusion was made. We don't know that. It very well may be that there was aminopterin in those samples. What we're saying is if there's aminopterin there, it's not doing what it should. The concentrations cannot be that high. Mm-hmm. And if they are that high, then, then clearly something's not making sense here. And because of that, when, when, when we look at data across a large number of animals, and don't see something that should be there at all. That's really important. We do know that we wouldn't expect to see all the signs in every patient, whether they're humans or cats or dogs, and that there's some variation from patient to patient, and there certainly is variation from species to species. But when you look across a large group, you should start to see a picture that falls out. It's something that we do a lot of at the Poison Control Center, is look at large data sets and say, these are the clinical signs that are most common. This is what's being reported. In this case, the, the things that are being reported are consistent with kidney failure, no question about that. At least what's being reported, whether we can correlate it to the food or not, is going to be the challenge for diagnosticians down the road. But we're not seeing key signs that should be there at all. I'm going to share with you some of the thoughts that came in through our email, some of my own thoughts, too, just to ask you to comment on them. Okay. Uh, this has a major financial impact on uh, not only the recall, but... I would imagine a lot of people have changed their brands of foods. This will have a major, major impact on some major brands of food. And there will be the, the PR companies that are pulled in uh, to, to you know, try to spin it all. If this had happened to humans, this would be investigated by the FBI, then it would be called terrorism. Uh, possibly. It, it, it all depends on, on what the outcome is, but clearly possibly. Right now, we really don't know what's there and how it got there but possibly. Your toxicology department, are you guys, do you think you'll know what's in? You're still trying to determine it. You're still trying to determine it? It's still trying to be determined, and right now the veterinary toxicology and pathology community, everybody, is waiting, and we're hoping to get something from FDA soon, and that's all we really know is, is that we expect to hear information soon. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time and all the hard work. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We have more Animal Radio on the way. Dr. Stephen Hansen joining us. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Did you see the paper? They mentioned cloning animals for food. Seriously? I thought cloning was still pretty experimental. It is. Most of the animals die or are born with some sort of health defect. So why is the FDA going to approve it? I don't know. It's upsetting that the FDA seems to be ignoring scientific evidence that animals in cloning suffer. And the FDA says that it won't even label cloned foods. That's outrageous. Yeah, and we could be eating meat or drinking milk from cloned animals and not even know it. 
Is there anything we can do to stop this? You can. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society at www.endanimalcloning.org to learn more about the problems with animal cloning and to help keep cloned food off grocery store shelves. Cloning animals for food is not just about food safety. Animal suffering and other ethical issues have been ignored for too long and must be considered. To learn more, visit www.endanimalcloning.org. Just because we can clone animals for food doesn't mean we should. Judy, one of the studio cats just vomited under my desk. Can you clean it up, please? <laughs> you can do it. Me? I'm busy booking all the celebs for the show. I, I don't do stains. Well, now you can. Go ahead, grab that bottle and get serious over there. Uh-huh. It's going to remove both the stain and any pheromones left behind. Just go ahead and squirt it on, work it in, and all you have to do is blot it with a thick towel and hold it for about five seconds. Come on, I know you can do it. Okay, I'll give it a try. I'm squirting. Working it in and blotting. And whoa, the stain is gone. You mean you were able to remove the stain all by yourself? Women, get serious. It's so easy to use. Even men can do it. Hey! Yeah, so don't take any more excuses from those guys. It's time to get serious. You can find Get Serious at PetSmart and in pet stores all over. Visit their website at GetSeriousProducts.com. Animal Radio is brought to you by VetFlex, the cutting-edge liquid glucosamine formula with 11 essential ingredients for helping pets suffering from arthritis and joint pain. Help ease your pet's pain the VetFlex way at www.vetflex.com. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. Dr. Gene Dodd. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. We're calling Garden Grove, California, where you established uh, in the early 90s, I believe, the first private nonprofit animal blood bank. That's correct. What, what is that exactly about? I understand there's like a, a network of 2,000 different veterinarians that share this blood bank, or, or I'm not going to tell you, I'm ignorant about it. <laughs> we operate just like a Red Cross would be for people, and we collect blood um, on a regular basis with a pediatric unit from greyhounds that we've rescued from several states in the country, uh, Arizona, Oklahoma, and Texas specifically. And these all all greyhounds, you said? They're all greyhounds only, and the reason we chose them were several reasons. First of all, there are many available. They're short-haired. They're very easy to be adopted, and we're making a social statement about human foibles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i.e. the racing industry. Sure. So we thought we could do a variety of things, being a socially conscious business, being nonprofit, having standards exactly like those of the American Association of Blood Banks, which which I'm a member of. Now, and wh- we're actually licensed by the state of California. We have a biologics license to if, do this. If it's all greyhound blood, is, it, is that blood universally... Uh... <laughs> I mean, how, how did, are well, you, you know, only able a, to help greyhounds? Or, no, or? no, 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 okay. no, no, no. That wouldn't be any use, really, except for greyhounds. Um, okay. There's this old wives' tale that all greyhounds are what we call universal donors, like a human O. Uh-huh. That's oh, actually wow. not true. Okay. Not true. Myth so broken we, here. We pre-screen all the animals for specific blood types. Um, there are 14 blood group antigens in the dog, and we screen for all of them, and then we select the ones that are universal, meaning that all dogs have this one blood type only. Mm-hmm. And so the blood that we collect and distribute throughout North America and occasionally overseas can be given to any dog at any time. Wow, great. That's that's awesome. Much needed service. Well, no, you yeah, well, remember that the average pet owner and their veterinarian have no idea what blood type the pet is when it's in a crisis. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't help to provide blood 
only for animals that have a matching type because they won't have any idea what that is. Yeah. Uh You're doing something very exciting and new. You're raising money to put together a, a, a brand new facility. Is that correct? Correct. What is this about? Okay, well, in addition to moving our greyhounds, we have 200 on site that change census every two weeks or so, um, where they're going to have special suites. We're going to have a new facility, which is called a Restore Health Center, and the purpose of this is to foster pet animal recovery from special needs. Let's say, what happens to an animal that's in a veterinary clinic and has to have a special procedure, say a... um, a bone plating, a even a, even a transplant, an organ transplant, or mm-hmm. some cancer chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. What happens when the initial treatment has been completed? Where does that animal go if it's not well enough to return to the home because the people have no means to look after it, either because they work or because the animal needs still some ongoing care? So our facility will be a, a recovery center, which is a transition between leaving the veterinary hospital and going back to the guardian's home. Now, is this for dogs only? No, it's for any species. We even said we'd take ponies and donkeys and stuff, (laughs) as long as they're not too large. Uh Any exotics, um, we'll have both alternative and complementary medicine as well as traditional medicine. What a wonderful idea. What stage are you in? Is it still the the fundraising stage? We're in the, yes, we're in the dramatic fundraising stage. We have so much interest in people buying sections of the building, like the... um, uh, the physiotherapy section, the uh, what we call the bubble bath area, all the areas that people are interested in, they've pledged monies for, but we don't have the building. Uh-huh. And so it's a $10 million project to complete everything, but we need two to begin building. Sure. We're in the approval, final approval process of the City of Garden Grove with the plans. Great. And uh, can uh, just the regular Joes like me help out? Anybody can help out. We would be delighted. Our website is www.hemopet.org. And on that site, they'll see all the pictures of the plans and a video, actually, of a virtual drawing of what the uh, place will look like when it's finished. Well, if you're listening on Coast or K-Big in Los Angeles, this facility could be a facility that might actually come in use for you. So why not uh, think about helping raise the $10 million that is needed to uh, put it all together. www.hemopet.org is the website. Now, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to Joanne, Dr. Joanne Carson, yes. uh, former wife to uh, the late Johnny Carson, who is uh, raising money for this also and has a very unique way. I guess you guys are buds, huh? We're very, very close friends, and we work together on can- on Canine Epilepsy Guardian Angels, which is Joanne's special site to provide buddies throughout North America and overseas for people that have an epileptic animal. So in the middle of the night, if they have a problem, they can call their buddy and be walked through what to do to keep the animal stable. Which is wow. great. Yeah. So we've done a lot together. Yeah, I, I, w- I would like to say something about the $10 million. There are phases of the project. Mm-hmm. So it's a $2 million project, and then there's another two, and then the final project would be an endowment because our Restore Health Center will be funded on a means basis. In other words, people that can't afford to bring their animals will be subsidized. Very good. Uh-huh. You, you know, both of you are doing awesome, <laughs> awesome work, and we appreciate that. Thank you. Dr. Gene Dodds, the, with the website one more time, www.hemoped.org. Dr. Joanne Carson's up next right here on Animal Radio. Stick around. Animal Radio is brought to you by the American Anti-Vivisection Society. Stop the FDA from allowing milk and meat from cloned animals to be sold in grocery stores. Contact the American Anti-Vivisection Society for information at www.endanimalcloning.org. 
No stranger to Animal Radio, Dr. Joanne Carson joining us again. Doctor, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. How about yourself? Uh, very well. If, uh, if, if you're a new listener to Animal Radio, you don't know that uh, Dr. Joanne Carson, uh, of course, other than being uh, <laughs> married to the late Johnny Carson, uh, you have created a mecca for canine epilepsy. Uh, basically, like uh, 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 if it's two in the morning and and your dog is in epilepsy, having a seizure, who do you call? Where do you go? Right. She has created the center. You, you've done phenomenal work. How's that going? First oh, of all, oh, it's going terrifically. You know, I shouldn't say terrifically because it's a sad thing that we have to have a website and with canine epilepsy. I mean, it's really sad that you know breeders and some owners are not responsible enough. Mm-hmm. that they breed their dogs that have epilepsy and they're just breeding heartache. And some owners do backyard breeding and they don't, or they don't let their dog stay in the yard. They let them run around the neighborhood and mm-hmm. also breed heartache. So we're we're there not because we want to be, but because we have to be. You need to be, yeah. absolutely. And, and uh, we're glad that you are. I want to give the website real fast before we go on. Uh, actually, you know what? It's a real long URL, so I'm going to go ahead and... You know what the easiest thing you do? Go to Google and type in Epi, EPI, Guardian Angels, and my site will come up. And we'll also put a link at AnimalRadio.com. Oh, great. Now, the last time we talk, talked, you were uh, auctioning off Truman Capote uh, memorabilia. <laughs> what? How, how did that go? It went well. It went well. We were able to make a lovely donation to Hemopet for... Jean Dodge's Restore Health Center. We just spoke to her. We just oh, spoke to her. That's right. She mentioned yes. that she was going to do animal radio. Yes, and uh, she also uh, mentioned that we should uh, bring up that you're, you're, you, you have uh, proceeds from Johnny's. Uh, he has a new two DVD box set. Right. Is that correct? Right. And the, you're going to donate, Carson and that's going to go to Hemo Pet too. Right. Okay. Well, everything that I'm doing, and I'm also writing a book called How to Spoil Your Dog Rotten. Boy, Knopf just bought. Where do you find the time and the day to do all of this? This is my life. Animals are my life. I, I really care deeply about the animals of the world, whether they're dogs or cats or elephants. Um, I, I really believe that, that, that when it comes to canine epilepsy, I really believe that God puts these little dogs in the hands of people who need to learn how to care and need to know more things about their feelings between the relationship between animals and ourselves. Because when you're caring for an epileptic dog, believe me, that is total devotion. Mm-hmm. 24-7. So I, I find the time because I choose to donate my life to animals. When you were married to Johnny, did you have animals? And what, oh, yes. what type of animals did you have? Well, we, because we lived in New York, and we lived in a penthouse, and Johnny wasn't able to walk a dog, we had to find a dog... It could be paper trained to the apartment. Uh-huh. And the only dog we could come up with was a Yorkshire Terrier mm. because a lab would not make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, this little Yorkie that we had, we had two of them, Fluffy and Muffin, um, were able to be paper trained on, on in the kitchen under the kitchen counter. Uh-huh. There was a little paper there, and that's where they went, like a little quarter-sized dot. Was Johnny a big animal lover? Loved it. I mean, when he came home from The Tonight Show... The first thing you would do is get down on his hands and knees and toss the bone to Muffin. <laughs> oh, I could just wonderful. picture that. <laughs> he loved her, just loved her and Fluffy. I mean, they were incredible together. He just, he was very secure around animals, especially dogs. 
whereas he was very, very shy in real life. Well, it's a very high-stress job, what he, what he was doing, and uh, to have the unconditional love of the animals, oh. um, well, to come home know, to that. Yes. I don't know how anybody could not... You know, I find people in life, and I meet them, and I find that they don't have dogs. I don't want to know them. Yes. <laughs> because they're different people than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And if this unconditional love and total loyalty and honesty you get from dogs is just, I mean, it's the most healing thing in the world. I mean, it's just rewarding. I just, I've just ended up adopting a little greyhound, a mm. retired racing greyhound, mm. which will bring my pack up to three. Wow. Or four, including me, because I'm the alpha. Uh-huh, of course. <laughs> I love saying that. I love saying to people, "I'm the alpha bitch." Yeah. Well, now how, how, do, how do you what? <laughs> how do you arrange that? That's what I want to know. We, we, how you arrange it is you love them to death. You oh, okay. Spoil them rot, <laughs> which is the name of my book, and they respond to you, and you end up being the alpha because you know how to say no, and they don't. Now, when does the book come out? The book is going to come out fall of '08. Okay. But in the meantime, I'm I'm taking things from the chapters as I'm writing them and doing some things on on radio because right now we just we've lost quite a few of our dear little spirits to this dog food recall and one of the chapters in there is home cooking and Mm -hmm. this is a perfect time to teach people how to home cook real easily if they can if they can donate a half hour twice a week to their dog of course only animals were affected in this recall because it was the same ingredient subpar ingredient that's used in all these foods, no humans were affected because no human foods were used in it. I know, but the problem is this was wheat gluten that was contaminated with rat poison. Yes, and even more we find out. And the thing is is that China sells wheat gluten to manufacturing companies. I think the most outstanding thing that happened with this was we looked at that list of foods from Imes and Yukonuba down to Old Roy and found the same manufacturer making Same ingredients. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's I mean, what I'm like, saying. It's the oh, same ingredients. You that was what it just threw me for a loop because I said, you know, I wish my book were coming out now because this is really the time mm-hmm. to catch people's attention because they understand. That's, that's, that's exactly what we're doing this very second as we speak right now that, uh, you know, we went out and uh, we purchased for the Studio Cats... Uh, what was it? Max's... Neutromax. Uh, Max. We really believed, yeah. in the industry, we believed that the ingredients that were used in this were not the same ingredients that were in the generic brand at my supermarket here. So, since this incident, and actually a little before the incident, we've been home cooking. It takes a little time, but I'll tell you, the the animals love it, and they their, their coats are getting... They will live longer, they're, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. If they're eating human-grade food, the same things that we're eating, there's a little more attention put into uh, what goes into the food. Well, it's the simplest thing in the world to cook for dogs because all you have to do is fry up some hamburger meat <laughs> and steam some green beans. Dr. Joanne Carson, uh, there's a website, of course, uh, several websites, and one is raising money for Hemopet, which is... Uh, uh, what Dr. Joanne Carson is doing with the two box, two DVD box set of the Johnny Carson uh, tapes, uh, w- they also need money. They're trying to raise ten million. Some of it comes through an en- endowment. Two million to start off with. The website is www.hemopet.org. Now your epilepsy site. Uh, the best way again is probably to go to Google or AnimalRadio.com. We'll put a la- link in. But the, the website, if you're uh, up for it right now, is www.k9 dash epilepsy 
dash guardian dash angels dot com. Yeah, well, it's really a hyphen. I know that dash. It's a what do you call that thing between two letters? It's halfway up the letter. Ooh. Uh, hyphen. Dash hyphen. <laughs> same thing. I thought. Oh, I always thought a dash was the bottom part. We'll be right back with more Joanne Carson right here on Animal Radio. Preventing pain, fear, and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness. From all across the globe, this is Animal Radio. And we're with Dr. Joanne Carson talking about uh, Johnny Carson's new DVD box set. And I guess trying to figure out the difference between a hyphen and a dash. (laughs) I don't know. But I do know this. Uh, These DVDs of Johnny's are so special, and Johnny would be so thrilled. What's on them? What what are we going to find? You are going to find pure gold. Mm-hmm. You, this is Johnny before the Tonight Show, before the Polish. This was his first network experience in wow. 1955 when he was 29 years old. <laughs> Just a baby. Uh-huh. And this was the Johnny Carson Show. There were 39 episodes that he taped. And out of the 39 episodes, he kept 10 that were his favorites. That he kind of romanced me with them. <laughs> because when I first met him... The first night we had dinner, he he said, you really like comedy, don't you? I said, love it, love it, love to laugh. And he said, well, why don't you come back to my apartment? I'll show you a show that I did. Oh, I've heard that one before. Yeah. And I said, is this the new update to come up and see my etching? Yeah. <laughs> i got to tell you something. It was like a thermometer. He turned bright red from the neck all the way up to the forehead. So embarrassed, he couldn't even talk. I said, I'm so sorry, I apologize. Of course I would love to go up and see it. And I went up to see this hysterical show that is just all Johnny, but a young Johnny that's just having such great fun because he wrote all these sketches. So we were hysterically laughing over these. And he said, would you like to have dinner tomorrow night and see another show? And I said, yes. Now, you got to remember, he had 10 shows. (laughs) So we had 10 dinners, 10 nights in a row, and saw 10 shows. And at the end of the 10th night, it was like, okay. Where do I sign? Where's the wedding ring? I'm gone. Okay. I'm in love. Okay, you got me. Oh, how But cute. it was so cute because, you know, when guys are shy and they kind of want to impress their girl, uh-huh. they have to find something to impress them with. And Johnny impressed me with these shows. And I saw the talent. And I just, you know, how could you not love someone that was this brilliant and this good? Even at 29. Okay. I'll tell you, that was enough of a tease for me. I want to see this now. There's a website to pick this uh, DVD up. That's www.shoutfactorystore.com. And, of course, we'll put that link on animalradio.com. And it's the Johnny Carson Show. Two DVD set from 1955. He was 29 years old. Boy, I can't remember 29. (laughs) Way behind. The the same, uh, same comedy used to romance Dr. Joanne Carson. Uh... Get that Let's get on the yeah, internet right now. Order. we got to end this interview so that I can order this CD. Uh, before they're sold out. Oh, yes, because they're very, very special. I mean, it's Johnny's gift to his audience because he said to me a few months before he died, he said, you know, Joe, those kinescopes you have? He said, everybody's putting their old shows on DVD. Uh-huh. Why don't you put them together? Because there ain't going to be any more. Wow. And there wasn't. And I didn't know that a few months later he would be gone, too. Yeah. So... This is Johnny's gift to his audience of a childhood. He said it's a childhood experience of his. He's really 29. I don't consider that a child. Well, for men. For men, (laughs) he really is. And he's fun. He's cute. He's adorable. He's the boy next door. He's everything you thought Johnny Carson was. 
And, and of course, the most important thing, portion of the proceeds from the sale of the Johnny Carson Show DVD set, uh, goes to Hemopet right there in Los Angeles if you're listening on Coast or KBIG. Or, uh, you know, uh, if you're anywhere in the country, this center, Hemopet, might be sending blood your way for it's your animal. That's it's, important. And it's also a nonprofit organization. All the links that we've mentioned in this interview here at AnimalRadio.com. Doctor, we're going to let you go. Have a great time. We'll speak to you again very soon. Though. I hope so. Thank you both. Have a terrific day. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. New breakthrough writings for those of us that have always known that our furry friends our sentient beings, the emotional lives of animals. We welcome back to Animal Radio, Dr. Mark Beckoff. Doctor, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Doing very well. Where are we calling you today? I'm at my home in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, lovely Boulder, Colorado, and yeah. where just a whole bunch of great people live. Yeah, oh, yes. This is the mecca of the world, of course. <laughs> and it's a very animal-friendly city, too, huh? Oh, well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Why I mean, I, I'd like it to be even friendlier, but... I think, on average, Boulder's got a great track record. Very, very good. Yeah. But lo- the latest book, really great, really great. Thank you. Uh, the Emotional Lives of Animals. And uh, within it, stories of different animals and sort of kind of testaments to being sentient. Right. I've collected an enormous number of stories as well as a lot of scientific data that show conclusively, of course, what we've always known is that many animals have rich emotional lives, they feel pain, they feel joy, they feel grief, and um, their emotions really matter. Well, well, wait a second. If we've always known that, why is it there's so much tragedy still? Human beings are great at denying the reality of life. Mm -hmm. And um, No, seriously, though, I think think part of it is that a lot of uh, people don't want to face up uh, what we do sort of collectively to animals and as individuals. And so I think that what's happening now is people, when we say we've known it, we felt it. You know, we feel their emotions. You live with a dog, you live with a cat, even with a bird. And so science is catching up with common sense in many ways. But we're also learning a lot. You know, we recently just learned that mice are empathic rodents. How did we learn that? Well, well, it was done in a horrible way. Okay. Um, Acetic acid was injected into the paws of rodents while other uh, mice, while other mice watched them. Mm. And the mice who were watching showed empathy. They experienced more pain when they saw other mice in pain. So, you know, frankly, anybody who's lived with mice or has been around mice, which a million people have because they're used, you know, in so much research, knew this. But now we know it, and now it means that it's just simply egregious and not permissible to do any more painful experiments with mice. Uh, it's uh, how is that measured? Empathy in mice? How is that measured? Other than facial expressions, I know it's it's very apparent in elephants. Uh, they grieve, but how is that actually measured? And is there a sense of uh, anthropomorphism put well, into that? Well, no. I mean, this was studied neural, neurally, okay, looking at okay. the, you know firing of neurons in the brain, okay. and it's also uh, probably conveyed by odor. So, for example. Um, in dogs, when when my dog Jethro would smell the odor put out by a stressed dog, Jethro would show stress. So when he went to the veterinarian, he loved going to the vet, 
but one day I brought him to the vet, and he refused to go into the office. And I thought, this is weird. Mm -hmm. And the vet came out and said, no, it's not weird at all. The dog who was just here was very stressed. So, sure. Wow. Yeah, so Jethro, you know, basically smelled what's a stress pheromone. Mm -hmm. So um, are we being anthropomorphic? Well, not really. Okay. I mean, we have to use the language we know to describe and explain the behavior of animals. We have no choice. And you're anthropomorphic if you don't think animals have emotions. But since they do, we're not inserting anything new into them. You bring up uh, kind of an important thing. Uh, studying animals, using animals to as research and to learn more. Uh, we were just talking the other day about uh, the dogs that they were using for research. I don't know if you remember that, Judy. Uh, but for cancer, for cancer, right? And they, of course, learn a lot, but uh, at the at the the sake of well, losing an animal or hurting an animal. What, right. What? Where? Where are we there? Well, well, where we are there is um, there are groups of researchers now in the United States and across the world who are studying natural cancers in animals, mm -hmm. and they're learning a lot about cancer in humans. So there's a lot of non-animal alternatives or non-invasive alternatives, and one, of course, is simply find animals who are suffering from cancer and study them. There's plenty of wild animals, and you know, there's just plenty of, unfortunately, you know, plenty of our domestic friends who um, have cancer. So, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you're, most of the scientists who do this are brilliant people, and if you uh, are forced, if you will, to develop the non-animal alternatives, they will develop them. I want to get back to the book because it's yeah. it's really uh, filled with light humor. Not what we're talking about right now <laughs> so much, but it, it's it's right. actually uh, some touching stories. Can you share one of the stories, a quick synopsis of one of them? Yeah, um, I start off the book with this wonderful story. I was riding my bike back into Boulder, and I saw a grieving ceremony, almost awake by magpies. One magpie had been hit by a car, and there were five magpies standing around him. Uh, one went in and touched the corpse, another went in and touched the corpse like elephants would to a dead elephant, mm -hmm. and then one flew off and brought back some grass to his dead buddy, and then another one did the same. And so it was phenomenal. And since I published that story, I've had countless emails from people saying, oh my goodness, we see that all the time in crows and ravens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once again, it's an example of just keeping our eyes open to the wonders out there. I don't, you know, I don't know what more to say, but that every day I get numerous emails from people telling me stories, and every time I get a story, it fits in perfectly with the new science. Sure, yeah. you know, I, I mean, it just does, and of course, for people who know animals, this isn't surprising, but. That's why it's more difficult to find skeptics, too. <laughs> I do, when I do interviews, you know, they'll say, well, who can we interview as a skeptic? And, you know, 10 years ago, I could name a whole bunch of uh -huh. there, there's, Right now, it's very difficult. The it's list is becoming difficult. smaller and smaller, isn't it? Oh, it is. Because, well, you know, you have... I wrote the story of my friend Bill and Reno, and Reno is his brilliant, emotional dog at home. And when he goes into the lab, the dogs he works on are just numbered objects. And so I pushed Bill to say, how come the dog at home 
it's different from the dog in the lab. I'm glad I'm not your dog. <laughs> the human is uh, very well adept at hiding the sentient feelings. In other words, there's a contingent of people that are still on that list that refuse to believe that they have emotions. Uh, your way of spreading the message is through your writings. What can we do to make a more compassionate society? Well, I think one way to make a more compassionate society is to have people be more compassionate to other animals because we already know. Um, the Dalai Lama wrote a wonderful blurb for my book, and it was beautiful because he noted that the more compassion we have for animals, the more compassion we have for humans. We're with Dr. Mark Beckoff. i, I got to ask you, uh, are we going to see our animals turn from property to... Uh are we going to be their guardians instead? Is that going to happen? Uh, there's, it seems that this upcoming election in a, in a few years is also going to drive animal lovers uh, as uh, candidates are making pleas and talking about animals. Absolutely. I think more and more animals... The, you know, animals, conservation questions are going to become prescient in local and national elections. And I think it's going to happen more as we get out of the horrible international scene. But it's a really good question. One of the things I always tell people, which is what we just talked about, is we need to pay attention to the way we interact with other animals. And that will, without a doubt, spill over into how we interact with um, other human beings. And so it's no longer fussy to think about animal emotions and animal feelings. It's good science, and it's really, to me, it's kind of the path to becoming a more compassionate human being in general. I see these politicians driven by other things like uh, the 40 to $60 billion pet industry, but whatever it takes for them to be more compassionate uh, will get my vote, that's for sure. Yeah. Dr. Mark Beckoff, we are so out of time, but we thank you for joining us. Uh, the Emotional Lives of Animals, a leading scientist explores animal joy, sorrow, and empathy, and why they matter, so important. Uh, we have five copies to give away at 1-866-405-8405. It's on the New World Library label. Doctor, we hope to speak to you again soon. Great. Thank you so much. Have a good day. My pleasure. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more about today's guest at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. This is Animal Radio Network. VetFlex is the cutting-edge liquid glucosamine formula with 11 essential ingredients for pets suffering from arthritis and joint pain. VetFlex is absorbed into the body up to three times faster than pill form. Liquid glucosamine found in VetFlex is the most effective formula on the market today. VetFlex promotes cartilage growth, increases mobility, eases your pet's pain, and is easy to administer. Just add to food or water. Help ease your pet's pain faster. The VetFlex way at www.vetflex.com. Scoop free. The revolution self-cleaning litter box announces the scoop free shelter program with free products and financial assistance to not-for-profit animal organizations use scoop free to enhance the care of cats in your shelter or use them in your auctions and raffles with 100% of the proceeds going to your shelter scoop free also provides discounts and donations for scoop free products used by adopting families find out how your shelter can participate at www.scoopfreeshelters.com 
Animal Radio is brought to you by Out Deluxe Training Pads. Traditional newspaper training is old news. Out Deluxe Training Pads are ten times more absorbent, scientifically treated to attract pets and control odors. Available nationwide at major discount and grocery stores. Cats destined to thrive and not just survive need a lot more than just food and water. Cats are not pack animals like dogs. Cats are solitary hunters of small prey. Research shows a few steps you can do to improve your indoor cat's environment. Here's some. Be a friend. Cats need a real friend, so set aside 15 minutes a day for playtime, grooming, and petting. Give them altitude. Cats like to get high altitude, that is. Let them get off the floor with window perches, shelves, tables, any place where your cat can get some height and lay claim and watch people and other animals. Let them go hunting. Cats love to hunt, so provide them toys that look like mice, birds, bugs, all of cats' natural prey. Cat scratch fever? Provide a sturdy scratching post for cats, and don't toss it away when it starts looking shaggy, because that's the way the cats like it. And water is preventive medicine. Make sure there is enough clean water, because not getting enough water can cause serious health problems in cats. For the Veterinary News Network, I'm Dr. Jim Humphreys reporting for Animal Radio. As the director of a busy rescue shelter, I'm constantly house training. And as any pet guardian will tell you, house training can be frustrating and confusing for both you and your pup. And learn bad habits like using newspaper is hard to break. We use Out Deluxe training pads because they're scent attracts dogs. Here's two tips from somebody that knows. Speed up the house training process through consistency in Out Deluxe training pads. There's no easier or cleaner way to train your pup. Find Out Deluxe training pads at major discount and grocery stores nationwide preventing pain fear and suffering of animals through nationwide education and awareness from all across the globe this is animal radio 1-866-405-8405 hi who's this this is ruth waters hi ruth how are you doing i'm fine today's my birthday well happy birthday, happy birthday. to you i'm um, 82 wow really? never have guessed <laughs> 82, and where are you calling from? Reading, Pennsylvania. Listening on WEEU, I imagine. Right, right. What can we do for you today? I have a a four-year-old cat that I got at the Humane Society. I've had her two years, and uh, she must be allergic to something. Her little mouth is all swollen. Ooh, when did you get uh, this cat from the... the, the Oh, I've had her two years. Two Two years. years. And this just cropped up within the last month or so, and I took her to the vet, and they want to do blood work on her, but it's terribly expensive. Well, you know, when they when they say they want blood work, I usually say you should go ahead and yeah. do that. Uh, $300. <laughs> I, I, I completely understand. I can sympathize with you 100%. Let me ask you this question. Is there any obvious changes that occurred uh, about the time that you started to notice the allergy uh, in being maybe a new dish, a plastic dish, a paper dish? Well, uh, I did change her dish. She had a metal one, and someone told me to change that. I've just done this recently within the last week or so. I also changed her food because her food had dye in it. You know, it's just that uh, her mouth is so swollen. She has a little outbreak of a fungus, I guess, under her chin. What, what does it look like? Can you describe Black. It? Well, okay, no. That's acne. Yeah, that sounds like acne. Uh, when you say it's it's black, it does, is it crusty? Yes. The veterinarian didn't notice? Yes, yes, he noticed it. And he gave me a, 
a spray that I'm supposed to put in her ear, but it's like spraying ice water in it. So <laughs> I put it on a Q-tip and, and clean her ear now, you, out. You said you've changed your bowls from metal. What type of bowl are you using now? A porcelain. Porcelain. Okay, well, that's good. It takes yeah. it takes a little while. It takes a few weeks for everything to once once you've changed the bowls for something to happen for it to change for it to get back to normal. It's fighting uh-huh. off uh, a little yuck yuck, and I believe that is the medical term. For she that. must be uh, having difficulty eating because her food's always all over the floor. So evidently, she can't pick it up. It's her bottom lip that's so badly swollen. Why don't you just wait a, a couple of days to see if changing from the the, the bowl the to a ceramic bowl changes if it if it gets better uh, and if the acne goes away if your doctor recommended some kind of topical tra- treatment for the acne yeah. you should be using it and then uh, if, if it's still a, a major problem then possibly the, the workup with the blood uh, unfortunately would be oh, the next step but that. you know what chances are it will go away acne feline acne is very common is it it is very common yes. and oh. uh, what we've done in the past is we've taken a flea comb and we've cleaned off the the black cruddy stuff and just kept oh. it clean we've actually put hydrogen peroxide i was using that and then um i thought i'd better go back to using the uh spray that he gave me which is uh, i guess an antibiotic or maybe it's a steroid you know what else mm-hmm. works uh interestingly enough uh is uh, stridex we've used these stridex pads and it goes away after a while. How do you spell that? Stridex, it's, it's a S-T-R-I-D-E-X. It's available in your supermarket. It's a human acne treatment, uh-huh. but it cleans up the area once you've cleaned. You've got to clean out the black, uh, crusty stuff, and using a flea comb is the best way to do that. And hopefully this will all clear up within uh, a week or so. I was using my fingernail to try to get it off, but a comb would work better. I'll try that. Yeah, yeah it's tough okay. to get all of those little things, and, and, and you don't want to really... How does your cat react when you try to clean it? Oh, she bites me too yeah. now. <laughs> so you got to... I have a hard time with her, but she has, after I settle her down, she will let me clean her ear out because she keeps shaking her head. Uh-huh. And uh, they thought that was ear mites. But all this happened all of a sudden. How old is she? Well, she must be about four. She was one and a half to two when I got her, uh-huh. and I've had her two years, so she must be around four. Well, thank you for getting her from the Humane Society. We appreciate it. Oh, you're that. welcome. Ruth, thanks so much for listening to Animal Radio. Oh, I love it. <laughs> in fact, she gets me up in the morning at 7 o'clock so I can hear it. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's all we have time for this hour. Remember, if you get an animal this week... Please spay or neuter. And remember, if it's a cat... Don't ever declaw. And if you want a certain breed... Go to a breed rescue. We'll see you right here on this fine station for more Animal Radio next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.